Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 121. And it's a part two from last week, but you don't have to listen to last week first because they're anyway, basically I'm talking about giving up on dreams um, and how, what that feels like when you're decluttering. Last week I talked about small dreams. This week I'm talking about uh, big dreams. Um, okay. So, but before I get started on that, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for today's podcast is PrepDish.com. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. Here's how it works. You get an email every week with three things, a grocery list, a written plan for prepping your meals for the week all at once ahead of time, and the recipes with instructions for cooking the meals on the night that you eat them. You spend one to three hours on one day getting the prep work for the week's meals done. Then throughout the week, they're ready for you to cook. I'm talking about letting go of dreams today. Last week specifically, I talked about small dreams. Not that they always feel small, but um, when I was talking about small dreams, what I was talking about was those dreams of who you thought maybe that you would be one day. Um, you know, I talked about my baking stuff and how they represented this idea that once I was a mama, once I was a grown up, I was going to suddenly bake all the time. Well, a lot of people have this dream. It's very normal to have this dream that I'm going to be a meal planner. I'm going to cook healthy meals for my family every night. And then as it doesn't actually happen, it starts to feel like failure. And so that is one of those dreams. So yes, Getting rid of some of that stuff as you realize it's never going to happen is one option, but an even better option is to find a way to actually make that dream happen if that is something that's important to you. So um, if cooking healthy meals for your family consistently feels like a dream to you, try out Prep Dish. Go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean and use the code CLEAN all caps, to get two weeks free of this meal planning service. Two weeks to give you a realistic picture of how this service could help you make that dream a reality. Because, you know, as I always say, hey, it's not clutter if I actually use it. So like, if it actually happens and I'm using these things, then I don't, it's not clutter anymore. Okay. So anyway, a way to think about that. Um, and I encourage you to go check them out because I really appreciate their sponsorship of the podcast. All right. So we're talking today about big dreams. Um, oh, before I go on, I always like to mention that I'm also the author of the book, how to manage your home without losing your mind. Um, in the book, I go through the development of the habits that will make a shocking difference in your home, like shocking. It shocked me personally. That's why I've ended up writing a book about it. Um, the impact that such basic, simple habits can have or will have, like, it's just a fact they will have on a home. Um, there's also the biggest section is on decluttering and realistic strategies for getting rid of clutter in your home. Uh, yes, 
and doing it from the perspective of the person who um, would rather hold on to every last thing. Anyway, okay, so we're talking about giving up on dreams. Last week we talked about small ones, you know, um, which like I said, don't always feel big. And how this is different for everybody. Um, What may be a big dream to one person is a small dream to others. Um, But specifically when we're talking about big dreams, you know, the question that I got about, you know, asking me to do a podcast on this was from someone who is dealing with what I consider to be one of the hardest dreams to give up on and, um, the reality of how much grief and grieving is involved in the decluttering when it involves that. And specifically, um, the person asking the question was asking about, um, just going through that process when you've realized you're not going to have any more kids, even though she had always wanted to have more children and she'd held on to things, um, kids clothes, maternity clothes. She'd held on to those things and toys and all that, hoping that she would have another child. But now, uh, due to, you know, just her life stage and her age and all that, she decided that she'd realized it wasn't going to happen. Um, and so she was going through that and just talk, wanted to talk about that. And I, I think the most important thing there to realize is that it is an actual grieving process. Uh, sometimes we think that it's only people, like, you know, losing people that um, requires a real grief process. But ideas, losing ideas or or having it just like feel like a slap in your face when you realize that an idea isn't you, you have to give up on that. That is, it requires a real grieving process too. I, one of my best friends, we were talking, uh, she was newly married and I've been married maybe a year and a half at that point. And we were just having this conversation about marriage and she just, you know, was saying how, um, you know, we were both just kind of going through times where our marriages themselves were good but it's like this, we were shocked at, at how we felt about, you know, our in-laws. <laughs> I don't want to say like, I mean, cause I have a great relationship with my in-laws now and, and so does she, but just this, this reality of, you know, just, it was hard. It was hard interacting with them and figuring things out. I mean, my husband's and my biggest fight we ever had in our entire marriage was over figuring out how things were going to work. Uh, for our first Thanksgiving, our first holiday after we'd gotten married, our first like big, you get together with, you know, and it turned out it was over like, I mean, it didn't even matter, but it's like, we just had so many things. And then finding the way that our parents reacted to things that really surprised us. Anyway, I'm going off on that. And if, if you're married, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. You just kind of go, oh, and she gave such wise words that someone else had told her. And that was, she was like, you know, so-and-so explained to me that when you get married, you go through a grieving process because you are looking at things in your own marriage and you're trying to do things correctly. And it reveals to you what you thought was normal in your own family, but was actually unhealthy. And it's like you're grieving kind of the, 
that veil that's over your childhood is, oh, everything was perfect and wonderful. And then because you're, you know, you're putting together a new family with this person who had their own family background and you're comparing notes and going, wow, such and such may not have actually been the very best way to do something. And then they do the same thing from their side and just kind of grieving this change and this loss of perspective and change. And I thought that was, it was so wise and having, realizing that was a thing was very helpful to me in my marriage for me to not just go, why is it that all of a sudden these things that I always thought were normal and now I find out they're not, not that we had anything major in either of our families, but, but you know, it's just little things of maybe the way that parents interacted with each other, the way for my husband and I, it was, you know, seeing the way his parents had interacted with one another in disagreements versus my parents. And anyway, I'm going on and on, but the point was how real it was to grieve looking at something in a different way. Like how I had always looked at something. And now I realize that maybe the way I had looked at something was not exactly right. And and there's grief in that there's going through that. And so how much more is it realistic that it's actually grief that you're dealing with? If you are you know, moving from one phase of life to another and accepting that what you thought was going to happen is never going to happen. That's real. And it's not just something where you say, oh, well, I got to get over it. This is just life. Yes, that's true. All of that is true. And there's value in looking at it that way. But sometimes just having it validated that it's an actual grieving process helps. And going through and, and, you know, maybe look up what is the grieving process, you know, they and I, I don't have it in front of me, because y'all know, I don't roll that way. But, you know, there's the reality of grief is denial. You know, one of the phases is denial. Um, how many times do clutter issues have something to do with living in denial? Oh, my word, I'm the queen of living in denial, you know, deny reality. That's <laughs> one of my phrases that I used to say a lot when I was younger. Um you know, I just, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about reality. And so things just piled up because I don't want to think about the fact that that phase of my life is over and has gone on, you know, so that's a very realistic stage of grief. But, um, you know, one of the things I've heard about from a lot of people who are experts in the area of grief is you have to walk through it. You cannot go around it. There's nothing, but you have to walk through it and it's painful and it's not fun but you have to walk on through it or you will never get past it. The only way to get through grief is to actually walk through it. And, you know, other phases of grief that I know I have heard people talk about are, um, you know, there's anger, frustration. I mean, anger is an actual phase of grief. Um, you know, my mother, when her father, my grandfather died in a car accident, um, right before my sophomore year of college. And when I say right before, I mean, I was late getting to college because I had to stay home for the funeral. And, um, it was really, it it was tough. And he was leaving our house. My family's house actually was before cell phones and, um, the hospital had called and I was home by myself and I didn't have a car with me at the time, even though I technically had a car, but I guess somebody who was using it or it was in the shop or something. And, um, it was just, it was a really traumatic time. Um, but you know, my mother felt responsibility 
Uh, not that she was responsible in any way, but that, you know, it was just, uh, you know, when he was leaving our house, he and my grandmother, and they had an accident, uh, he died and they, um, they came to, uh, you know, all, all the relatives came to our house because they were going back up to Oklahoma. Well, you know, this had all happened by our house. So, you know, they had, you know, my mother and my dad were the ones who had to call all of her brothers and sisters. There were five of them, um, you know, and tell them what had happened. And then everybody, you know, comes to our house and it was just, it was a really hard time. I know I'm going on and on, but you know, my mom felt a lot of, um, extra additional pressure than she might have felt if the situation had been different. And, you know, and she went through this time period and she really struggled with, you know, why she wasn't crying as much. And then she went through some sort of a class. It was several years later and she was taking a few classes at a seminary near us and, um, which she doesn't do often, but anyway, she did went through a phase and did that. Um, but she took these classes and something was with family history or something like that. And, and it was like, she was completely shocked when in the middle of something, she just started sobbing and grieving and, and, and she was furious. You know, she was really angry over this situation, you know, the, the, the fact of the, you know, that he shouldn't have been driving and, you know, things like that. And, and it just was something that she had to go through, even though it had been several years since it had happened. And yet at some point it's going to have to happen. You have to go through grief. And here I am talking about this from the perspective of someone who has not experienced these things in the way that I know so many of you have, but we've all experienced some sort of grief somewhere. And so when you can kind of take it and go, okay, yeah, there is a similarity between this type of grief and the grieving of giving up a dream and the decluttering that's involved in that and know that those things have similarities there. I don't like talking about stuff like this because I feel, because I know, like I know for a fact that so many of you have been through these things and you know from personal experience the truth and the reality of this. And I don't want to act like I know what you're going through. So I'm just going through the the basic this is the reality. Grief is real. There's a real process to go through with grief. You have to walk through it. And giving up on a big dream and decluttering, there's real grief in that. And I want to validate you in that. And we're not even talking here about specifically decluttering things in, in the kind of grief where you've lost someone precious to you. That's not even what I'm talking about here. I'm just talking about realizing that that same kind of grief, there is a different form of it. It's not the same. We're not comparing it in any way, but there's also grief that happens here in these situations where you're giving up on a dream. So, okay. I feel like I've been super preachy and serious and I'm sorry about that. Um, but basically it comes down to this paralysis. Um, I have paralysis for goofy reasons and I have paralysis for real reasons. You know, I have paralysis when I just look around 
and my kid's room is a foot deep in random stuff all over the floor. I mean, you know, I'll experience decluttering paralysis there. Well, there's also decluttering paralysis that is a whole lot more serious with this issue of, you know, when do I decide that I have to get rid of all this stuff? Um, so this kind of goes along with sentimental decluttering, which I've had a podcast about before. Um, but some examples of this, like the person asking the question, wanted to have more kids, um, and has finally realized that was not going to happen. Um, you know, for some people it's, it's their giving up on a career, a vision of what you thought you were going to be one day, you know, this, this person originally, she thought she was going to have multiple children and it, it didn't happen. Um, you thought you were going to have a career and you had everything for that. And then life just changed things. Maybe through deciding that you were going to stay home with your kids, maybe through getting laid off and that dream just being ripped away and it was no decision of yours. Um, you know, those things are all real grieving processes. So how do you deal with it? Well, anytime that there's paralysis, anytime you have decluttering paralysis, the best thing to do is just to somehow make yourself move. I mean, you know, when we, uh, when we're talking about paralysis, we're talking about, you know, not being able to move. So what is it that you can do? What is it that I can do a little something and get started on? Um, so looking at it and saying, I am not going to deal with all the things that, um, that, you know, in my mind, that entire wardrobe full of, you know, business stuff that I spent thousands of dollars on. And now I've lost that job. I don't have that job anymore. And it just, you know, whatever. I'm not going to worry about those. I'm just going to worry about trash. You know I mean? It's like that, that my thing, I don't know if you've watched, I put up a, a new YouTube video. It's been a while of my own decluttering projects, but put up a new YouTube video. And the thing I had to remind myself over and over and over again, one of my main rules is I have to look. I have to look. I assume I know. And I am usually completely wrong. Okay. I'm just so often wrong. And I have to make myself look. I have to look. So even if it is, yes, these are the things that I spent thousands of dollars on. I just cannot possibly get rid of all this stuff because I, I'm really, really hoping I'm going to go back to work. Okay. Well then, go and look for trash. What's trash in your wardrobe? Well, it's stained stuff, ripped stuff that maybe you made it work because you did wear those things all the time. But now you're like, oh yeah, realistically, that is actually trash. You know, making myself go through and look at things. Um, with the baby stuff, that's very difficult. Um, you know, but I find when it's, in a big mass of stuff, I assume it's all completely sentimental and instead go through and just say, well, what do I actually feel no emotion about? You know, these stained onesies, I'm sorry. Um, I, I have memories of that orange poop that, you know, breastfed babies have, um, that is like explosive and crazy. Um, 
but the stains that are still on a thing or two here or there, I don't have emotions toward those. I don't want to keep those. Do I want to keep this one that actually brings back all these memories of the first time we took them to church and blah, blah, blah. Yes, of course I want to keep that. But if I can get rid of just some of the stuff and say, I'm not going to worry about the stuff that rips my heart out right now. Instead, I'm just going to make myself go through it. I'm going to let myself feel the grief feelings that I'm feeling. And I'm going to just get rid of the stuff that's obvious and duh. Or maybe there's a little moment of, you know what? I always hated this outfit that so-and-so gave me and kept asking me if the kid was wearing it because they thought it was great and I thought it was hideous. And like, hmm, I actually get a little bit of joy about throwing that one in the trash or giving it in the donate box or whatever. But, you know, saying, I'm just going to go through it. I can't, I've got to just look through it. Even if that means that you go through it and you don't, um, you don't end up really getting rid of all that much, just going through it. I'm just going to touch everything in here, get rid of the completely obvious stuff. And then that sets me up for re-decluttering later on. Okay, even if I'm going to go through it right now, I'm going to look through everything because I'm keeping this because I think I have this amazing attachment to it. Maybe I go through everything and I, oh, you know, I really can't get rid of any of this. There's something about going through it now, even though I'm convinced, even as I'm doing it and really looking at things. Yes, I got rid of a couple things, but most of it, I just don't think I can get rid of it. Something about having done that and then coming back to it six months or a year, even two years later, whatever allows me to have a very different perspective because I did go through it once already. The second time I go through it, there is something that has shifted in my brain. Can I explain it? No, I think I've already proven during this podcast that I am no psychologist. Okay. But as I go through it that second time, I view things differently than I did the first time. And I'm like, Oh, you know what, I had all these feelings or I had all these assumptions that I had feelings on this one. And now that it's been a year, I'm like, yeah, I don't actually have any feelings about that. And there's something that changes in my brain the second time I go through something. So letting yourself say, I'm going to go through it today. And I'm not putting pressure on myself to make these huge, huge decisions, but I am going to go through it and just see if there's anything that is just obvious and duh to me, like one shoe from a pair that you can't even remember them ever having worn or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff or, oh, wow, there was an entire bag in here that I had meant to declutter because I absolutely hated them and they were hand-me-downs and my kid never even wore them. And for some reason, the bag never got donated. It just stayed in the big stuff. I mean, things like that happen in my world. Maybe they don't happen in your world, but they happen in mine. And that is one of the reasons why I've realized it's always, always worth it for me to just go through it and going through it is moving. Even if I'm convinced I'm not actually going to get rid of anything by going through it, going through it is still moving. And that moves me toward being able to declutter it. That breaks through that decluttering paralysis. Okay. Um, other things to consider, um, did I really, okay, here we go with my notes and everything. Um, Hold on. I'm going to pause real quick while I try to figure out what I was talking about. Okay. Another thing to consider is, do I really hope for this to happen or is it just a maybe? 
Okay. And what I mean by that is I have some teaching stuff. I'm hoping not to go back to teaching. I'll just be honest. When people would say, hey, so you think you're going to go back to teaching once your kids are in school? And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> of course, I had this, you know, thing that I do now, um, leading this community of people who struggle, um, you know, as a replacement for that. But it's like, am I actually hoping or is it just wondering if what if maybe, you know, so kind of trying to identify between those two things. Is this a maybe or is this something that... um that I truly, truly am hoping will happen, you know, and sometimes identifying that will let me get rid of things. Um, other things to consider, and this is, you know, back to that container concept is, do I have the space? Does the container that is my home that needs to contain both my family, meaning we've got to be able to move around, live, do what we need to do, cook meals, Um, do homework on a table that's clear. So there's actually a space to do it on, you know, do we, are we able to move the way that we need to move and do the things that we need to do with this stuff in the house? Or is this thing that is a dream realistically, is it keeping us from living right now? Because that is the thing I've really had to let go of. And that has let me get rid of a lot of things that were dreams for me was going, but I really want to live right now and realizing the value of open space. First of all, don't forget, you know, this is not the stuff to start with. Let me just remind you of that. There's a podcast called decluttering momentum that at least several people have said they listen to over and over and over because don't start with this stuff. But when you, you know, go, go start with the easy stuff, the duh, whatever, you know, the trash, the oh stuff you hate, all that kind of stuff, you know, all these things are in the book and all these things are on the blog and all these things are things that I say again and again, but I want to make sure you remember you don't start with these things. Okay. But as I get to it, and as I have decluttered the easy stuff, the obvious stuff, as I have, you know, gotten rid of the clothes that we don't need right now and didn't cause anything emotional, and I get to these things, I have to ask myself, can I fit these things in the container that is my home or not? You know, just keeping this huge box of teaching stuff or this huge, let's be honest, if you were a teacher, you know what I'm talking about. These huge 17 boxes of teaching stuff is keeping that making us not able to function in the life that we're actually living right now. And having that perspective has changed a lot of things for me and how I view my clutter. Um, do you have room for it? You know, if you have room for one um, when I say teaching, it's just because that's the career that I had. But, um, I know for a lot of people, there's, you know, whatever your career was that you were really into that you're just not convinced you're never going to go back to, or you dream of going back to, you hope to go back to, um, you know, how much space do you have? If you have a wardrobe that it just rips your heart out to think of getting rid of it, then look at that space in your closet and say, well, do I have room for the clothes I'm actually wearing right now? And if you don't have room for the clothes you're actually wearing because of that, then that's where you need to say, this is a container. It only, it does not expand for however many clothes I have. And so I have to declutter down to the point where everything fits into this container, this natural limit that is the size of my closet. So, you know, do you have the space are you, is it all together? That's another thing too, is sometimes 
for people like me. Um, it's just, I know it's in there. I know I've got a bunch of stuff from such and such phase of life. And I just don't want to even get started because the whole house is a complete disaster. Um, and instead say, okay, well, I'm just going to put it all together. I'm going to consolidate, you know, things that have been outgrown. I'm going to put all the clothes together and I'm going to put all the toys together and all that. And then seeing everything together often helps me see which things I really love and lets me see which things I'm willing to put in my container to, to designate container space to of the garage or the storage shed or whatever, the attic. But having that perspective, putting things together sometimes, well, doesn't sometimes, always changes how I view certain things. Um, because I start to see, oh, wow. Yeah, I knew I had baby stuff and I loved my baby stuff, but I don't have a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings toward that much baby stuff when I see it all together. You know, also being willing to keep some things, okay? Um, and, you know, if it is a, a phase of life and, and part of it is that you truly do still have a hope that it could happen, um, looking at things as... Um, remembering what it was like when you were collecting those things and thinking about those because you probably know some people in your life who thought they were done having kids and then ended up having more and think about that you know the the people who just delighted in giving them things or handing things on to them or you know are things you know all all cribs basically, I'm pretty sure we sold our crib right before they made whatever law it was that you couldn't even resell cribs anymore. Is it even something that you would use again, if by chance something did um, end up happening and that dream became reality again? You know, but looking at things um, from that perspective and remembering how much fun it was to collect things and how much fun it was to, um, to, to gather all that stuff the first time. And maybe you're, you know, maybe you're in a different place financially. We're in a different place financially. If we were to have a baby, oh my word, how can I say that out loud? Um, but (laughs) we're not, but anyway, we're in a very different place financially than we were in the beginning. And I think right now, you know, for one thing, my perspective has changed on what all a baby actually needs, which is a whole lot less than I thought. And for another thing, yeah, we, we could afford to go out and get the things we needed. And we, I'm sure we'd get things from friends and all that kind of stuff too. So it helps me change how I view that. Um, another thing too, is just the reality of fashion. And next week I have a guest on my podcast and the sound is actually decent. I'm so excited anyway, but she's talking about, you know, decluttering your closet. She's a fashion expert. And anyway, so she, you know, talking about that and thinking about that and the reality of the things I wore when I was teaching, that was 2001, y'all, or maybe it was 2002. Yeah. So I was teaching in 2002. Um, styles have really, really changed. And even, even sometimes, you know, I was talking about this with somebody else, but maybe it was on the podcast. So you'll hear it twice if I did, but the, there's something about, I have a 15 year old and I have a 13 year old. They're 20 months apart. Those 20 months were when maternity styles changed drastically. Like they'd all, you know, ever, they always change a little bit, but they changed 
completely and totally. And I'm telling you, it was Kelly Ripa. You know, Kelly Ripa was on, got onto Regis right around that same time. She was pregnant. She wore all these really tight clothes. And I mean, the styles were just completely different in less than two years um, for maternity clothes. And so realistically looking back, even though I have fond memories of looking super cute in that maternity outfit, which I have gotten rid of all of that now, but even though I have fond memories of looking really cute in that, realistically now it wouldn't be cute anymore you know, and a lot of that with, you know, some of your old work clothes or things like that, or even baby clothes. My, uh, my niece is 17 and my daughter is 10. And my sister-in-law had given me some clothes of my nieces and some of them worked, but there was a lot of style change in that time period. And I remember my daughter who if you know my daughter, you know, she's who she is her own person, which is exactly what I've always prayed for. And so thank you, Lord. Um, anyway, but she's really strange about clothes. She either goes berserk and crazy and wears these wild, crazy things, or she is all about the like t-shirt that's 10 sizes too big and big baggy, whatever being comfortable. She's a lot like me anyway. So when she was 13 months old, there was this dress that I remembered my niece wearing. Okay. So my niece who was seven years older, I remember her wearing this dress and I loved this dress. And I was excited that it was in the bag of hand-me-downs that I got from my sister-in-law. And I had been wanting my daughter to wear this. But when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, this actually isn't really in style. Like it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't horrendous or hideous or anything like that, but it was not the current style. And my daughter went through this phase, which is completely different than she is now, but she went through this phase around one and two where she would only wear dresses. Like she would not wear anything but a dress, only dresses. Well, I pulled out this dress. So she likes to wear dresses. I pull out a dress. She was she was like 13, 14 months old. She was like so young. I could not believe she even cared anyway. And I was like, okay, sweetie, you want to wear this dress? And she looked at me with (laughs) this look that you wouldn't even think a baby that young could give. And she just goes, (laughs) like it was so not in style to her at that young age. And she was just like, uh, no. And she loved dresses. And it just was one of those times where I went, yeah, styles really do change over fairly short periods of time, you know? And so realizing, yeah, I wouldn't actually put my, a new baby in this. Not that I can't save something if it does bring back specific memories, but that dress had no actual memories for me. I had just looked forward to my daughter wearing it. Well, you know, that was very easy to get rid of because, you know, once, once she reacted to that, I mean, I really still can't believe that because she, anyway, she's a very expressive child. Um, but looking at that, it really just helped me see, oh, so why would I hold on to this? Cause we're not actually going to use it. So trying to look at things through that perspective. And I know if you're in the middle of the grieving process, some of these things sound very trite. Okay. Um, but 
the goal is to go through the grieving process, to let yourself go through it. You know, I have a post about it's okay to be sad. You know, I got rid of a bookshelf that I had painted for my daughter. It was actually something that I shared on the blog early, early, early in the blog. I just painted it, you know, and then over time, it just was not working in her room. It just was causing more problems than anything because it was, it was kind of a bookshelf shaped like a dollhouse, um, but it wasn't really a dollhouse and she had a dollhouse that she liked to play with. So she didn't actually use it as a dollhouse. And because the top was a roof, it wasn't actually a shelf. And so it was anyway, it just hadn't worked. We tried it in all different ways. We'd put it in different places and it was time to get rid of it. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to let myself feel really sad over this. I made it. For me, it was pretty good art. I am not an artist. But sometimes acknowledging that it's going to be hard and not saying, why is this so hard for me? This isn't hard for other people. It's not hard for everyone, but it's hard for you and that's okay. But that doesn't mean we don't go through it because the only way to get past it, the only way to get your house to the point where you feel you love your home and you can live comfortably in your home is to get the things out that are in the way of you getting rid of, I mean, being able to live comfortably in your home. Okay. If it's not in the way, then okay, maybe you can put it off a little longer, but if it's truly in the way and you're tripping over boxes and you're not able, your, your kid doesn't really have a room that they can actually enjoy because it's filled with boxes of maybes for the future. Then those are the times to go through it do what's easy. Let yourself go through things. Always, always, always look. Don't assume what's in there. Go through, touch every piece and acknowledge the ones that, oh yeah, actually I don't care about that at all. I can get rid of that and, and consolidate and make things into a smaller thing. Um, you know, put these into a smaller container as opposed to, you know, seven containers. Maybe you can get it down to two. Um, you know, acknowledge the things that, oh, actually, yeah, we wouldn't use that again, even if we did need it or whatever. So I hope this helps. Like I said, I'm not a psychologist. I have not, um, been through what the person asking the question had been through. So these are just thoughts. And I don't ever want to assume that I know what you're going through. Because let me tell you, the person who struggles with clutter, um, the most hurtful and offensive thing is when people are like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. And this is what I did. And it was so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's not how um, that's not effective with me at all. So I hope you don't think that I'm doing that because I'm not. I'm just trying to give you some ideas and things to think about. I would love to hear from you. Um, maybe stories of, of things that you've had to, you know, dreams that you've had to give up on that, um, that you've, yeah. And, you know, one of the other issues, um, a, a big big dream that I hear from a lot of you on is, you know, when you go through chronic illness, when you, you know, succumb to something that you realize is the rest of your life and giving up on what you were capable of at one point. And it's hard, you know, it's hard. Um, and I just want to validate you that it is hard and that, you know, there's, there's ways to keep on moving. I'm not going to tell you to get over it, but
but I am going to encourage you to keep on moving because that's the only way you will eventually get past is keep on moving. So I hope this has been helpful. I would love to hear from you. Um, before I go, I do want to remind you to go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean. Use the code, blah, the code clean, all caps, to get two weeks free of that subscription meal planning service um, to get you started on getting your, um, feeding your family those dreams you've always, I mean, the, <laughs> feeding them dreams, feeding them those meals you've always dreamed of feeding them. Um, and also too, did want to just remind you again. Um, that if you are, um, a patron, which I love it. Thank you so much. Those of you who are, um, if you have not seen your invitation to the Facebook group, if you have actually filled out the form, um, email me Dana at a slob comes clean.com. And I will help you with that because I know there are several of you who've been invited to the private Facebook secret Facebook group and have not, um, joined it yet. So I know that there's something going on there. So anyway, um, and then another thing too is, there are, um, oh, I have a book tour survey. So I'm going to be trying to put together a book tour coming up soon. Um, and I would love for you to fill out the survey. If you are, um, you can let me know. I mean, Hey, I've had lots of you fill it out in Australia and that's a dream of mine. So fill it out anyway. Um, but just let me know, you know, kind of what what well the form tells you but what cities you're near what um state you're in you know if you personally have any access to a space that you could um you know help us use for a get together or whatever um I would appreciate it if you'd let me know so anyway I'm gonna put a link to that in the show notes for this and I will talk to you guys next week <music>